0: America, Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now let me tell you what's going on as I speak to you. People who want to force me off the air are recording this program. And what they're going to try and do is anything I say will be spun as an attack on a group, as an attack on an individual, whatever it is. It's important that you listen to what I say, or if you want to hear the recap and the replay, you can go to marklevinshow.com, and not the interpretation of people with websites that are funded with left-wing groups that have as their purpose the destruction of this program and programs like it. Now, let me get started. Two big subjects I want to talk about, John Bolton and what took place in Atlanta with the, with the prosecutor, and I want to start with the latter I try to call things as I see them. I am wedded to the rule of law. I am wedded to the Constitution. And I believe in justice. And I believe in equality for all. And I have spent my entire adult life. Embracing these positions and promoting them. Whether serving as an elected school board member when I was in law school. Serving in the Reagan administration including in the Justice Department on radio, in my books. This is who I am. This is what I believe. I believe in the words of the Declaration of Independence. I have no desire to be a special pleader for any individual, any organization, period. I don't seek to be a provocateur And yet sometimes it appears that people want me to be a provocateur. I'm not interested in more hits and bigger ratings. The show can't get any bigger than it is. And I explain myself three hours on the radio, five days a week, in books, on television. I don't need people interpreting for me. I speak in plain English. What that prosecutor the Fulton County Atlanta, Georgia prosecutor did today in that press conference was shocking trying his case trying his case making it virtually impossible to have a an untainted jury he had big photos he's showing He had talking points on a a board. It was shocking. Because the defendant in this case, the officer, does not have the ability, the resources, the investigative tools within three or four or five days to even respond. And what happens in a situation like this, and this prosecutor knows it, is that the media will regurgitate everything the prosecutor says without challenge. And that's exactly what's going on. It is shocking to watch these media spectacles. Shocking. Shocking. When the vast majority of the talking is supposed to occur in a courtroom. That's called justice. That's called due process. And that's what we want for everybody. Regardless of his or her position in society. Regardless of race. Regardless of religion. Regardless of sex. Period. That's not what happened today. And this prosecutor wasn't challenged as best as I could hear. I couldn't hear everything, but as best as I could hear, he wasn't challenged once about the format he was using with particularity about what he says took place. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation hasn't even finished its investigation. So why did this prosecutor move so quickly? Well, he's up for re-election. That's one reason. And number two, he's not doing so well in his reelection. But there's no need for that. The officer's not a flight risk. That's number one. No citizen should be treated this way. By anybody. Certainly not a prosecutor. Number two, there is absolutely no basis to charge this officer with felony murder, which is a death penalty charge. Now it can be life imprisonment without parole, it can be life imprisonment with parole. So he charges him with felony murder. Which I might argue doesn't even apply in this case. Even listening to him without challenge, without any other information, doesn't even apply in this case. But he charges him anyway, and with 10 other felonies. This is appalling, absolutely shocking. Absolutely stunning to me. And so far, people in my business, broadcasting, have barely said a thing about it. Have barely said a thing. And then you listen to how the, the argument is made by the prosecution. You listen to how the arguments made by the lawyers for the family. Listen, without any contrary argument. I mean, he does have a defense, right? He does have a defense. And what else is interesting is these websites and these news outlets, all but a handful, they don't even tell us who Rayshard Brooks is. We know nothing about Rayshard Brooks except what the lawyers for the family and the prosecutor tells us. Well, isn't there more about the man? Well, there is more about the man. You have to go to the Daily Mail. Hardly a conservative paper or outlet. Quite liberal. The Daily Mail. 4 p.m. Eastern Time today. Exclusive is the headline. Rayshard Brooks was on probation for four crimes, including cruelty to children and face going back to prison if charged with a DUI when he was found asleep and intoxicated at Wendy's drive-thru. Could this be a reason why? When the officer was trying to handcuff him, was arresting him, he turned physical? Well, of course it could be a reason why. Well, why didn't the prosecutor mention this today? Because he's not going to. Well, why didn't the lawyers for the family mention this today? They're not going to. Well, why didn't the media at the event today raise it? Because I didn't look. Why hasn't this been raised since I've been watching on a single network or cable news show as it's been out for almost two and a half hours? Because they don't want to. Well, it's going to be raised with a jury. Isn't it relevant? This isn't some right-wing website. It's a foreign website. A liberal media outlet. And it says Ray Shard Brooks was on probation and faced going back to prison if he was charged with a DUI. Dailymail.com can reveal. These are public records. The New York Times could have revealed it. The Washington Post could have revealed it. MSNBC and CNN could have revealed it. They can't look at public records. They're just going to sit down, write what the prosecutor says and regurgitate it? They went after that kid from Kentucky at the Washington Mall without any information whatsoever. They say this. A 27-year-old was shot and killed by police after he was found asleep at a Wendy's drive-thru in Atlanta on Friday, June 12. He was compliant with cops, but after he failed a field sobriety test and blew a .108 when breathalyzed, Brooks suddenly resisted when cops tried to cuff him. This is them writing. Brooks was shot twice in the back as he tried to make a break for it. Well, he wasn't just shot twice in the back as he tried to make a break, where he turned around and shot his stun gun, or whatever they call it, taser. The charges to which Brooks pleaded guilty and for which he was still on probation dated back to August 2014. He was convicted on four counts, false imprisonment, simple battery slash family, battery, simple, and felony cruelty, cruelty to children. Brooks had not been in trouble since 2016 until last December when he went to Ohio without informing his probation officer. But the case was dismissed, the case against him for not informing his probation office. How come the prosecutor didn't mention any of this today? How come the family attorneys didn't mention any of this? Now, there'll be a trial, a jury will decide. Will the jury be tainted? Since he's already been tried on television by the prosecution, will he be able to get due process? This is the same DA who's being criticized for charging six police officers, five of whom I believe are African Americans, in what was considered an extremely sloppy investigation. What's the hurry? Don't you want to do justice? You know, the job of a prosecutor isn't to prosecute unless there's a basis for it. And in order to determine the right kind of charges to bring, and whether to bring charges at all in any case, you need to conduct a thorough investigation. Well, why did he jump ahead of the Georgia Bureau of Investigation? Today's Wednesday. The incident occurred Friday. Friday. This isn't the George Floyd case. There's a whole write up on uh, those six police officers and what this district attorney charged them with and how he conducted himself a conservative review under Daniel Horowitz from several days ago. You won't find it anywhere else. Five of the six are African Americans. This isn't a race matter. The charge against the five of the six or the six at all. That's not about race. What took place at the Wendy's isn't about race. Another fact in this Daily Mail piece, they tell you that one of the officers kicked Mr. Brooks when he was shot and down on the ground. That's what the prosecutor says. You know what you can hear on the video? According to the Daily Mail, that the the, uh, police officer who shot Mr. Brooks was giving him CPR and begging for Mr. Brooks to breathe. Please breathe, Mr. Brooks. Mr. Brooks, breathe. The prosecutor didn't mention that today. How come? And there's a lot of this, which is why you don't do what this prosecutor did at his press event and try your case in the media. Absolutely, not just unprofessional, unseemly, disgraceful. You have a case, bring it. But you don't do this. And first degree felony murder? Kaplan? No. Not even close. I'll be right back. love At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western Theological Tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. I want you to know that we have repeatedly invited Tim Scott on this program. Long before all these events have been going on, as a matter of fact. I met him the first time at an event called Emmet, um, where he got an award. I believe I got an award that night, too, but um, couldn't have been nicer. Very, very impressive. Shortly thereafter, I invited him on my uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin. This has to be a year, two, or three ago. Couldn't do it. Mr. Producer, we've invited him on this program two, three times, right? The only time they reached out to come on the program was when his book came out. And I have so many book requests here, I just can't handle it all. Because otherwise, we'll be doing books left and right. And so I wanted him to come on tonight. I wanted to go over what it is that he's proposing. We didn't get an answer. We didn't get an answer from Tim Scott's office. So we'll stop asking. But I certainly can't support something where the main sponsor won't come on the program and talk to 14 or 15 million people. I'll be right back. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the Essentials of the Christian faith and religion All students must take a course The Western theological tradition As part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum The college also offers majors in religion Philosophy and religion And Christian studies Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place In which to discuss and practice faith Respectful dialogue among Christians Of different denominations And with students of non-Christian faiths Is just one hallmark of this stellar college Now to learn more Visit levinforhillsdale.com That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com levinforhillsdale.com this prosecutor, Paul Howard, two weeks ago, now he's currently charging Officer Garrett Rolfe in the uh, Sharp Brooks case. Two weeks ago, he said in another matter where he's charged police officers were aggravated assault, And we're talking about those police officers I just mentioned to you, six of them, five of whom are African Americans. He said their use of a taser, quote, a taser is considered a deadly weapon under Georgia law. That's not what he said today. That's not what he said today, Mr. Producer. You can bet that'll be court. But there aren't any serious reporters there. Or anywhere really, who raise these things. He gives a speech he has his graphics. His talking points are on poster board. And that's that. And you're not supposed to conduct yourself that way. You can explain the charges broadly and so forth, and then say, We'll see in a court of law. I can't really comment publicly. It's unethical. It's unprofessional. You know, we have to seat a jury and so forth. But, uh, but we'll deal with it in a court. But that's not what he did. He's running for reelection, he's in trouble. He brings these charges in five days' time before the Georgia Bureau of Investigation is even done. And even on the issue of the taser, two weeks ago, involving the prosecution of these other prosecutors, uh, uh, police officers. Quote, a taser is considered a deadly weapon under Georgia law, unquote. And what have we been hearing? Taser's not a deadly weapon. This is uh, very, very problematic. What's going on here? That's not all. Basic Google search. Little Google search. Georgia Bureau of Investigation. This is May 4th of this year. Opens probe of Fulton DA Paul Howard over use of nonprofit funds. I think it's like $170,000, isn't it, Mr. Producer? It's a lot of money. Here's one February this year. Former top aide sues Fulton DA alleging gender discrimination. Here's another one. And they're in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Administrator alleges D.A. Paul Howard sexually harassed her. So that's two. That's December 26, 2019. Now he's got a sexual uh, harassment allegation. He's got a gender discrimination. uh, Gender discrimination allegation. He's got an allegation with a criminal investigation... Over the uh, When it comes to tasering, he said two weeks ago, while he's prosecuting six police officers, that a taser under Georgia law is a deadly weapon, is a lethal weapon. And today, he basically said the opposite. Very, very problematic. Just basic Google search. Basic search of the public record. You know about Mr. Brooks. You know more today than you did yesterday. You know about the prosecutor. You know more today than you did yesterday. I didn't create the public record. And I didn't create the Atlanta Journal Constitution articles either. None of it's brought up. It'll all be brought up at a trial. Wasn't brought up by the prosecutor. And when the officer off was giving him CPR. What you heard the prosecutor say today is they waited two minutes, two and a half minutes. Their attitude after after Mr. Brooks was shot was very, very problematic. Well, their attitude was they were scared to death, apparently. And Mr. Rolfe was doing CPR until the, uh, until the ambulance arrived. And he's heard on the video saying something to the effect, please breathe, Mr. Brooks. Breathe, Mr. Brooks. So, why would the prosecutor give a different take on that? The media used to be very, very suspect and cynical. But now it's just so ideologically driven. Now, I want to move to another issue John Bolton. I've read the article in the Wall Street Journal that John Bolton himself wrote. I read the piece in the New York Times that Peter Baker, who's a real Trump hater, wrote. And there are others, the Washington Post and so forth. First, I want to tell you folks something. When you serve as a staff person to the president or to a cabinet secretary, you are entrusted with a position. So that the, the president or the cabinet secretary can talk with you, can, can free will ideas, uh, can have others in there talking openly and so forth and so on. Apart from the truth or lack of truth of any of this, which I'll get to in a minute. When you're taking detailed notes every day, you are already. Preparing to use those notes if you don't get your way or if you become disgruntled against the principal for whom you work. That's a real sleaze move. Remember James Comey? He did that. Then he claimed those notes were his and a court ruled. No, actually, they're not yours. Well, John Bolton did that in spades. Apparently, he took enormous amount of notes. No doubt, self-serving. And they kept them. And the media wants them, of course. And they want his book. And John Bolton's already violated federal law, just so you understand. He has and so is his lawyer, Chuck Cooper, in my humble opinion. Because they haven't waited for the clearance. Whether they think it's taking too long or not, that's their problem. And by the way, the government's not required to give clearance at all once it reviews the material, But here's the second point I want to tell you. John Bolton's taking notes on the most sensitive discussions with foreign leaders that affect our foreign policy and our national security. Nobody elected John Bolton the dog catcher. He's not free to affect policy, to affect the future of the country, to affect an election, because he decides in his righteous indignation. That he's got things to say. He's not free to take the law into his own hands. And he's not free to harm our national security and foreign policy. By revealing what a president may have said. In confidence to his national security advisor. Or that the secretary of state or the secretary of defense or others may have said in confidence to the president while he's sitting there, or to the national security advisor. The damage this does to the office of the presidency, any presidency, the damage this does to national security and foreign policy is unimaginable. It's unimaginable. So when the Attorney General of the United States, Bill Barr, who's been Attorney General twice now, under George H.W. Bush and now under Trump, takes the position that I am here, I have to defend the office of the presidency. That a staffer cannot be free to conduct himself in such an unethical, immoral, and potentially illegal way. I just can't turn the other way. This is serious. And just because John Bolton wrote a book and got two billion million for it, reportedly, and just because he took notes, clearly, with premeditation, doesn't mean what he writes is the gospel. Now, of course, the president's enemy in the media and his enemies in Congress, they're going to claw at all of it, and Bolton's counting on that. And Bolton's counting on that. Mr. Producer. I want you to invite John Bolton on this program. I want you to invite his lawyer, Chuck Cooper, on this program. These are people with whom I worked at the Department of Justice under Ed Meese in the president, presidency of Ronald Reagan. Now, I don't know what Bolton wrote, but I read somewhere today that he said the president and others wooed him. Nobody wooed him. He was on the phone with me, lobbying me, and not just me, Hannity and others, to try and persuade the president of the United States to hire him as the national security advisor. Nobody wooed him. There are always some issues with John. He had difficulty getting along with some people. And he had an enormously explosive temper. John Kelly, a couple of months ago, came to his defense. Well, that's funny, General Kelly, because he hated your guts. He used to complain about you to me. But it doesn't matter. Because the target's Trump. And so he turns his differences with the president of the United States, he doesn't get the set policy, the president does, into scandal. The president did it because he wanted to get re-elected. The president, The president did this, that, and the other. The president was reckless. I don't know that there's ever been a national security advisor to a president. There's a relatively modern position, half century. But I don't know if there's ever been a national security advisor to a president who got a multi-million dollar book deal to write about his or her activities, knowledge, role in an administration that still exists with a president who's still working on matters of foreign policy. So nobody's done anything like this. What John Bolton is doing here is beyond anything Comey ever did. And John, I know you're listening. Come on the show, tough guy. Same with your lawyer, Chuck Cooper. Come on the show. You don't have to go to 60 Minutes and uh, the Today Show and all the rest. I'll be honest with you. His publisher is Simon & Schuster. Simon & Schuster has a conservative unit within uh, within its corporate structure called Threshold Books. And that's what I've written for every book except Men in Black. And I sent a message into Simon & Schuster that I would prefer if they would give me my advance back for my next book and allow me to pick another publisher. So far, crickets. So far, I haven't heard anything. I tell you everything. I'm telling you now. John Bolton's goal here is to take out Trump and elect Joe Biden that's his goal and you'll see he's promoted all over the Drudge Report and Drudge's goal i can't explain it is to take out Trump and elect Joe Biden must have offended these guys in some way but I worry about the country not my feelings not tweets I worry about the country So Bolton writes this piece. We'll get into some of this in the next segment and the next hour because I do want to walk us through this. There's no escaping it. And I'll be right back. Mark
2: Lovin.
0: At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale dot com, levinforhillsdale.com Maybe the uh, police officers will start to walk off the job, Mr. this Maybe that's what they'll do. In every other walk of life, that's what people do when they, uh, when they want to protest. Maybe that's what they'll do. And what I'm trying to get across here is you don't have a press conference like this. In a criminal case where somebody's life is literally on the line because you charge them with a death penalty charge, you don't do that. You don't create a spectacle. You don't taint juries. And the media have been abhorrent in failing to remind the American people that we believe in justice and the outcome is the outcome. And we haven't even had that here yet. and the stretch what this prosecutor was saying like the underlying assault or crime for the capital offense is that the bullet went through somebody's windshield what well, that's uh, folks trust me on this it may have but that's absurd for a capital charge Five day investigation, not even five days. Why so fast? And again, two weeks ago he immediately tried really very quickly six other police officers. He didn't give you all the facts today. He simply didn't. What Officer Rall actually said. So his goal is to taint a jury pool. His goal is to upset the people of Atlanta. Oh, boy, I tell you. Since we only have a minute or so left in this segment, in this hour, we will get to John Bolton in some detail next hour. And it's very important that we discuss this together and go through it on how an individual is supposed to conduct himself who has been really blessed with a top position in the government And if John Bolton thought all these things that he wrote in his over 500 page book, why didn't he resign earlier? I don't understand. I'll be right back.
3: From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here.
1: Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin, our number 877
2: 381
0: 3811. 877 381 3811. So, you now know a little bit more about Mr. Brooks. And you now know a little bit more about Mr. Howard. And maybe the media in this country will actually do its job, but don't hold your breath. We had to rely on a British site, the Daily Mail, a liberal site, to go into the public records and report about Mr. Brooks and why he turned aggressive, violent. Because according to the Daily Mail, if he'd been uh, charged with DUI, um, he would have likely had to go back to prison. He's got a violent record. Prosecutor didn't tell you any of this today. Prosecutor didn't tell you that the officer who shot Mr. Brooks was actually quite upset and was giving him CPR afterwards. That's what the audio on the video shows. Instead, he talks about an officer kicking Mr. Brooks on the ground. Again, this is why we don't do Soviet-style show trials In the media, this is why we spend more than four or five days conducting investigations. Just appalling. And I said before the break, and I'll say it again. I'm not telling people what to do. Far be it from me. But if you're a police officer in Atlanta, you're fair game. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic interracial doesn't matter and I don't know maybe there needs to be some resistance there in terms of well maybe you shouldn't show up for work they want to defund the police okay see how that goes for a while look I'm not encouraging it I'm just talking out loud to my audience Now we'll bring in the professors and all the experts who don't know a damn thing, but I'll tell you what to think and how to think. And again, this prosecutor two weeks ago in prosecuting six Atlanta officers, five of whom are African-Americans, stated it's on the Internet, ladies and gentlemen, it's right there. He can't run from it on a video, stated that tasers were deadly weapons. Today, not so much. Not so much. All right, John Bolton. You know, you know, throughout history, there have been figures like this. Benedict Arnold. John Dean, although there's no criminal issue here. People who will turn on their president. Some people turn on their country. Alger Hiss. One degree or another, that's how John Bolton will be Remembered. His fame, quote-unquote, there'll be a flash in the pan. The left will use him, chew him up, and then spit him out, want nothing to do with him. Maybe he'll get a job at CNN or MSNBC. I believe that. I truly believe that. And John apparently is positioning himself as the super patriot, the guy with the right ideas. Trump is the sellout. All he cared about was his re-election. Uh, Should have been impeached for a whole other bunch of reasons. And And I think to myself, well, you sat on your ass for 17 months if you really believe that. Why wouldn't you resign the first time you thought he should have been impeached? Why wouldn't you hold a press conference rather than cut a book deal? And why wouldn't you willingly appear at an impeachment hearing? But he didn't do any of those things. He didn't do any of those things. What he did is assassinate his own character. And I resent it because he enlisted a number of us to try and help him get that national security job. And so he uses people. That's what he did. Not just me, a whole bunch of people. And in fact, the Department of Justice should throw the book at him because you cannot have a national security advisor who attempts to enrich himself after he quits or he's fired by revealing all kinds of information. I'm not even talking about classified information, just confidential information you're discussing with the President of the United States. When you work for a president, you're on the government payroll, just like with Comey. Your notes belong to the government, your thoughts belong to the government, and you're sure as hell. You sure as hell aren't free to try and sabotage the commander-in-chief with whom you've worked while he's still commander-in-chief. He didn't even wait until Trump uh, left office one way or another. Didn't even wait. You want to know why, Mr. Producer? It's it's not because he wants Trump held accountable. It's because he wants to defeat him, and he wants to maximize his profits on this book. This was his opportunity. And I don't know this for a fact, but I keep hearing the number $2 million. And for $2 million, you better have a lot of dirt. Or at least create a lot of dirt. So let's take a look at how the media comes. New York Times, Peter Baker, and never Trumper, but pretends to be a reporter. John R. Bolton, the former national security advisor, says in his new book. That the House and its impeachment inquiry should have investigated President Trump not just for pressuring Ukraine to incriminate his domestic foes, but for a variety of instances when he sought to intervene in law enforcement matters for political reasons. So the National Security Advisor gives comment on what should have happened. The Attorney General of the United States obviously doesn't think so. The deputy attorney general of the United States obviously doesn't think so and down the chain. But John Bolton thinks so. Well, then that's news. Mr. Bolton describes several episodes where the president expressed willingness to halt criminal investigations, quote, to in effect give personal favors to dictators he liked, unquote, citing cases involving major firms in China and Turkey. Quote, the pattern looked like obstruction of justice as a way of life. Which we couldn't accept, Mr. Bolton writes, adding that he reported his concerns to Attorney General William Barr. But your concerns obviously were meritless. And obviously you had in the back of your mind to write a book. And so a lot of his conduct as a result of this, ladies and gentlemen, becomes suspect. Suspect. Mr. Bolton adds... A striking new allegation by saying that Mr. Trump overtly linked trade negotiations to his own political fortunes by asking President Xi Jinping of China to buy a lot of American agricultural products to help him win farm states in this election year. Mr. Trump, he writes, was pleading with Xi to ensure he'd win. He stressed the importance of farmers and increased Chinese purchases of soybeans and wheat in the electoral outcome. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it just so happens that from a national security and American economic point of view, it makes sense for him to want China to buy more of our farm goods. But when he says the president was pleading with Xi, let me ask you a question, folks. Who do you think Xi once reelected, or excuse me, elected as president? Trump or Biden? So this doesn't even ring true. By the way, I love the media now. Everybody and their, and their mother-in-law is now being asked, and everybody and the homeless guy on the corner, what they think about the charges against the officer in Atlanta. See, this, that, that's not justice. Got to love our media. The book, The Room Where It Happened, was obtained by the New York Times in advance of its scheduled publication. next. To, so it was either given to them by Bolton, by Bolton's lawyer Cooper, or by the publisher Simon & Schuster. It wasn't obtained. It was leaked in violation of federal law. You know, if Obama were president, Mr. Baker, you'd be facing prosecution right now. It was obtained by the New York Times in advance of its scheduled publication next Tuesday and has already become a political lightning rod in the thick of an election campaign. Well, of course it is. It's exactly what he wanted and what you want. In the New York Times, a number one bestseller on Amazon even before it hits the bookstores. Mr. Producer, how many times have I had a number one bestseller on Amazon before it's hit the bookstores and they never write that up? They never write it up. They don't even review it. They don't even pretend it exists. The Justice Department filed a last-minute lawsuit. It's not a last-minute lawsuit. They had to file a lawsuit to react to what Bolton and his lawyer were doing. Against Mr. Bolton this week, seeking to stop publication, even as Mr. Trump's critics complained that Bolton should have come forward during impeachment proceedings, rather than save his account. Mr. Baker, stop playing games. What people are saying, like me, is if you really thought the President of the United States had committed multiple impeachable offenses, you should have testified, rather than wait to get a $2 million book deal and to try to affect the outcome of the election. That's perfectly rational. Perfectly rational. That said, that said, the Justice Department has an independent duty to defend the Constitution in the office of the presidency, which is exactly what it's doing. While other books by journalists, lower level former aides, and even an anonymous senior official have revealed much about the Trump White House, Mr. Bolton's volume is the first memoir by such a high ranking official. Who participated in major foreign policy events, and it's a lifetime of conservative credentials. Stop right there. That's the point. You're a chief of staff, your White House counsel, your national security advisor, positions like that, and you leave an administration or have your ass kicked out of an administration, you are not free to reveal secrets. Confidentialities, conversations with the President of the United States, who's the only head of the executive branch. Because if this becomes a precedent, ladies and gentlemen, it is impossible for a president to do his job. And John Bolton has done grave damage to the executive branch, grave damage to the Constitution, and grave damage to American national security. It is a withering portrait of a president ignorant of even basic facts about the world, susceptible to transparent flattery by authoritarian leaders manipulating him and prone to false statements, foul mouth eruptions, and snap decisions that age try to manage or reverse. Sounds like Lyndon Johnson. But he hasn't done any of these things, he hasn't sold out to any authoritarian leaders. He hasn't taken any positions that endanger American national security. So none of this has happened. Mr. Trump did not seem to know, for example, that Britain is a nuclear power and asked if Finland is part of Russia. Now, obviously, the president knew Britain is a nuclear. But, you know, this is just John Bolton sitting in his in his three day old uh, underwear in his basement, eating uh, peanut M&M's. I know what I'll do. I'll say this. Mr. Trump did not seem to know, for example, Britain is a nuclear power and asked if Finland is part of Russia, Mr. Bolton writes. He came closer to withdrawing the United States from NATO than previously known. But he didn't. Even top advisors who position themselves as unswervingly loyal mock him behind his back. During Mr. Trump's 2018 meeting with North Korea's leader, according to the book, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo slipped Mr. Bolton a note disparaging the president, saying he is so full of blank. Okay, Bolton could not stand Pompeo. Bolton could not stand John Kelly. Bolton could not stand Mattis. I know this as a matter of fact, he told me these things. And then Bolton couldn't stay in the president. So see, Bolton didn't play nice. Which was an issue. A month later, Mr. Bolton writes, Mr. Pompeo dismissed the president's North Korea diplomacy, declaring that there was zero probability of success. And what was Bolton's answer? What, to nuke them? I don't know. I'll tell you a little side story. I wouldn't normally tell you this, but I'll tell you a little side story. When the president decided to withdraw troops from Syria, and Mattis, of course, resigned over that and other things, I was concerned about it. It was not that troops are being withdrawn, but I was concerned about the, the border with Turkey, and I was concerned about uh, the Kurds. And this is all public knowledge. I even talked about it here. And I rarely call the president, but I did. And I said to the president, you know, I'm I'm worried about the Kurds and so forth. And in the office was, among others, John Bolton. Have I ever told you this, Mr. Producer? Never, so I'm telling the whole world. So the president puts us on the speaker and he says, well, John Bolton's here. John, what do you think of Mark's position? And here's what Mr. Hawke said. Well, if Mark wants to go over to Syria and fight, then he's free to do so. I thought, wait a minute. I would have sworn, I didn't know, that you would have agreed with me on this. Do you get my point, Mr. Producer? So in front of the President of the United States, he was he was taking the position of the President, which was, okay, apparently. But when Mark calls and I'm put on the speaker, again, I had no knowledge of what John was going to say. I, never, I, didn't, I didn't consult with him. It's, well, if Mark believes that, then he can put on the uniform and go to Syria and fight. And yet in this book, apparently, those types of interactions where John was far more ameliorative I guess that's the word I would use in this circumstance. I could use another, but it is public radio here. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't write that in his book. More when I return. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. See, Bolton is already under attack by Adam Schiff. And I have to say, rightly so, Schiff is saying, you know, we called you, we said come before the House. You went to court to block it. Of course, the president did too, but the president did for a different reason. He's defending the office of the president. You went to court to block it. Instead, you saved all your information for a book. Now, they're going to use Bolton I told you this before. This is what the left does. They'll never forgive him. Not for this, they love him for this. But they know he's backed himself into a corner. They're going to use this to trash the president. They're going to cite Bolton, and then they're going to trash Bolton. Because in the end, Bolton is a fool. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Is very dishonest to a lot of people. There's more in this piece I want to go through because even though the New York Slimes and Peter Baker think, hey, this is really good stuff we can use, actually, it's pretty crappy stuff. The New Amoroso. John Amoroso Bolton. I like that. Does that sound good to you, Mr. Producer? I think it does. I think it does. Or how about this? John Deep Throat Bolton. I like that one too.
3: Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
0: You know, the uh, coronavirus pandemic has turned economic expansion upside down. Up until recently, we had seen significant job losses, furloughs and pay cuts, all of which slammed household finances, making it difficult for many Americans to pay their bills. Now, if you can relate and you feel like it's going to take some time to get things back in order, you in particular, I'd like you to listen. A mortgage refinance is an easy way to save hundreds, even $1,000 a month, simply by lowering your rate or consolidating your debt. And I know just the people to help you. They're honest. They have integrity. They're members of a family, a family-owned business. It's called American Financing that Mr. Producer has used and my daughter have, has used. Their mortgage consultants. Are going to design a custom loan program. Just for you. And they'll save you a lot of money. There's no pressure. There's no upfront or hidden fees. It's a 10 minute call. Make the 10 minute call. To American Financing right now. And get your free mortgage review. You can save a lot of money. Just by changing your rates. Here's the number. 888-900-1828. That's 888 888- Nine hundred eighteen twenty eight, or go online to AmericanFinancing.net American Financing, NMLS 182334 www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org Faster! No, I'm just kidding. All right, let's go back to the Peter Baker never-Trumper who writes for the New York Slimes. Intelligence briefings with the President, as he reports on the Bolton book, which apparently has been illegally distributed, We're a waste of time, quote, since much of the time was spent listening to Trump rather than Trump listening to the briefers, unquote. Mr. Trump, is there anything positive he says about Trump here? Nothing. And there he was for 17 months. Mr. Trump likes pitting staff members against one another. By the way, so did Abraham Lincoln, just so you know. At one point, telling Mr. Bolton that former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson had once referred to Nikki Haley, then the ambassador to the UN, by a sexist obscenity. An assertion Mr. Bolton seemed to doubt but found telling that the president would make it. Now this is the irony. This book is full of quote-unquote telltale information. Right, Mr. Producer? But he's shocked that the president would mention something that Tillerson may have said about Nikki Haley. That's the absurdity of this. But let's go on. Because it's a number one New York Times uh, Amazon book. Mr. Trump said so many things that were wrong or false that Mr. Bolton in the book regularly includes phrases like, quote, the opposite of the truth, unquote, following some quote from the president. And Mr. Trump, in this telling, has no overarching philosophy of governance or foreign policy, but rather a series of gut driven instincts that sometimes mirrored Mr. Bolton's, but other times were, in his view, dangerous and reckless. Can you tell me, folks, one thing the president has done in this area national security and foreign policy that is dangerous and reckless has not the president been prudential and extremely careful and this is the complaint Mattis had hey let's go in here no I'm not doing that says the president Bolton goes on his thinking was like an archipelago of dots like individual real estate deals leaving the rest of us to discern and create policy it had its pros and cons. Nasty cheap shot. Irrelevant, too. Mr. Bolton is a complicated, controversial figure, tells us Peter Baker. Doesn't Peter have a nickname, Mr. Producer? Peter. Peter's good enough. A former official under President Ronald Reagan, George Bush, and George W. Bush, who rose to U.N. ambassador, no, he was the acting ambassador because he couldn't get confirmed. He's been one of the most vocal advocates for a hardline foreign policy, a supporter of the Iraq War, uh, who has favored possible military action against road states like North Korea and Iran. Oh, and you forgot Venezuela. Like Mr. Tillerson and other officials who went to work for Mr. Trump believing they could manage him. First of all, who works for a president or a cabinet secretary to manage them? Your goal is to give them the best information you can and then carry out their decisions. Mr. Bolton agreed to become the president's third national security advisor in 2018, thinking he understood the risks and limits. He agreed to become his national security advisor. He begged to become his lady. I was there. He begged. He lobbied. He contacted everybody who knew to contact the president. He wanted to be the national security advisor, even though he knew his opinions and views were different than the president's. Which is okay if you understand that Trump is the president and you're his staff. Let me go on. But unlike some of the so-called access of adults, so-called by whom? As he calls Mr. Tillerson and former Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis, he hated Tillerson. Bolton hated Tillerson and hated Mattis. But now it's the access of adults, don't you know? Who tried to minimize what they saw as the damage of the president's tenure? Mr. Bolton sought to use his 17 months in the White House to accomplish policy goals that were important to him. Like withdrawing the U.S. from a host of international agreements he considers flawed, like the Iran nuclear deal, the intermediate-range nuclear forces treaty, and others. Didn't the president do those things? In fact, the president campaigned on getting out of the Iran nuclear deal. But none of this matters, John. You sold out for $2 million. And that's what people are going to remember. Mr. Bolton thought Mr. Trump's diplomatic flirtation with the likes of North Korea's Kim Jong-un and President Vladimir Putin of Russia were ill-advised and even foolish and spent much of his tenure trying to stop the president from making what he deemed bad deals. He didn't make any bad deals with either of them. Since you've left, he hasn't made any bad deals with either of them. He was tougher on Putin than Obama. And in North Korea, whether you agree with the president's diplomatic approach or not, I still am trying to figure out what the alternative is. He eventually resigned last September. Mr. Trump claimed he fired him after they clashed over Iran, North Korea, Ukraine in a peace deal with the Taliban in Afghanistan. You see, they don't give Trump credit. He wants a peace deal with the Taliban in Afghanistan. But we don't have a peace deal yet. But he wants to get the troops out. And as recently as a couple of weeks ago, the Taliban that was going on the offensive got whacked by the United States Air Force. Mr. Bolton did not agree to testify during the House impeachment inquiry last fall, saying he would wait to see if a judge would rule that former aides like him should do so over White House objections. But after the House impeached Mr. Trump for pressuring Ukraine to publicly announce investigations into Democrats, including former Vice President Joseph Biden, uh, that's not what happened, Peter Baker But that's why you work at the New York Times. While withholding security aid, Mr. Bolton offered to testify in the Senate trial if subpoenaed. Senate Republicans block calling Mr. Bolton as a witness. Well, they blocked him for one main reason. Because he didn't go through the impeachment process in the House. And they didn't want additional witnesses. And of course, there was the coronavirus, of course. I'm sure everybody was concerned about it back then. The book confirms House testimony that Mr. Bolton was wary all along of the president's actions with regard to Ukraine and that Mr. Trump explicitly linked the security aid to investigations involving Mr. Biden and Hillary Clinton. Well, then Bolton is a liar. There's no contemporaneous evidence of this. The president of Ukraine says no. The foreign minister of Ukraine says no. The secretary of state says no. So Bolton would have lied under oath then, right? On August 20, Mr. Bolton writes, Mr. Trump said he wasn't in favor of sending them anything until all the Russian investigation materials related to Clinton and Biden had been turned over. Mr. Bolton writes that he, Mr. Pompeo, Secretary of Defense Mark Esper, tried eight to ten times to get Mr. Trump to release the aid. So what? So what? And yet none of those other people say what Bolton said. None of them. And Lighthouser, who is the uh, trade ambassador, there's another piece here. This goes on. I'm pretty much done with that. Where Bolton writes about China and talks about Lighthouser. And Lighthouser put out a statement today saying, that's not true. That never happened. Bolton writes a piece in the Wall Street Journal. Some right-wing paper that is. And the sub-headline is, John Bolton: The scandal of Trump's China policy. Here's the subheadline: The president pleaded with China leader Xi Jinping for domestic political help, subordinated national security issues to his own re-election prospects, and ignored Beijing's human rights abuses. Now, hold on, folks. Nobody's been tougher on China than any president I can think of than Donald Trump. Nobody. That's number one. Number two, as far as China's human rights abuses, I'm not sure what he expected of the president of the United States. But Trump has has done more to take them on on trade, to take them on on their stealing of our our, uh, proprietary corporate information, of the stealing of our intelligence information. He created the Space Force. I don't believe that was Bolton's idea to really confront the Chinese and the Russians of these killer satellites and so forth. He's significantly increased defense spending even before Bolton got there. He has sent our our, uh, Navy into the South China Sea even before Bolton got there. And we all know the Chinese want Biden. A half their appeaser. U.S. Strategy Toward the People's Republic of China writes Bolton has rested for more than four decades on two basic propositions. The first is that the Chinese economy would be changed irreversibly by the rising prosperity caused by market-oriented policies, greater foreign investment, ever deeper connections with global markets and broader acceptance of international and economic norms. The second is, as China's national wealth increased, so too inevitably would its political openness. Both were fundamentally incorrect, and the president knows that. One of his advisors... Um, maybe informal advisors, is Michael Pillsbury, who we've had on this show and I've had on Fox. Correct? Right, Mr. Producer? And he has said that he was wrong, Kissinger was wrong, the Bushes were wrong, Nixon was wrong, that Trump is the first president to understand the threat that China is and to institute policies to effect it. It's a strange thing that he's attacked by Bolton on China. Politically, China moved away from democracy, not toward it. Duh, you think? In Xi Jinping, China now has its most powerful leader and its most centralized government since Mao Zedong. Ethnic and religious, but we know all this. He says, I saw these developments as a threat to U.S. strategic interests and to our friends and allies. The Obama administration basically sat back and watched it happen. Trump, in some respects, embodies the growing U.S. concern about China. He appreciates the key truth. That political and military power rests on a strong economy. Trump frequently says that stopping China's unfair economic growth at America's expense is the best way to defeat China militarily, which is fundamentally correct. Now, first of all, notice the arrogance. Where now, Bolton is saying, Trump's position, which is fundamentally correct. And we did that, well, sometimes it's not correct. But the real question is, he writes, what Trump does about China's threat. His advisors are badly fractured. That's not unusual. And you're not supposed to be publicly revealing what his advisors are saying and who stands for what. You are literally undermining the cabinet structure. You're literally undermining the ability of a president of the United States to function. To function. When you sit in the cabinet room or the Roosevelt room or the Oval Office and you're with your colleagues, whether it's Wilbur Ross or Rob uh, Lighthizer or... uh, Peter Navarro or Kudlow or whomever it is, Mnuchin. And you're taking notes on everybody. How is a president supposed to get the best advice possible, Bolton? That would be like me as chief of staff to the attorney general sitting there taking notes on what everybody was saying, holding them back so when I could write a book I can can go after the people who I disagree with or disagree with me. Trade matters were handled from day one in a in completely chaotic way. Trump's favorite way to proceed was to get small armies of people together, either in the Oval Office or Roosevelt Room, to argue out these complex, controversial issues. That's good. Over and over again, the same issues, without resolution, or even worse. One outcome one day, a contrary outcome a few days later, the whole thing made my head hurt. Well... Man, I was going to do quite the zinger there, Mr. Producer, but I think I'll take a break. I'll be right back.
2: Mark Lovin.
0: As I read Bolton's op-ed, I'm done with it for you folks. And then uh, I read this Peter Baker piece at the New York Slimes, the Holocaust-denying New York Slimes. I come away with this, a number of things with Bolton, but I also think he was over his head. I really don't think he knew how to become a national security advisor, to work with the other cabinet secretaries and the other staff, with people who disagreed with him. I told you he had a lightning fast temper. Uh, I don't think he knew how to work with this president. So these are many uh, flaws, his own flaws and his own character and his own inability to adapt to to a job, to this job. Uh, and, so, uh, and so it goes. And at some point, he decided that he was going to monetize this. All the notes he took belonged to the government, just as Comey's notes belong to the government. Anything that's in that book that reveals classified information, if he revealed it without getting clearance, that is a crime. Every bit as much as Hillary Clinton's emails, if they use classified information, would be a crime. The law applies equally to everybody, I believe. It's certainly supposed to. But the bigger crime to me is not a crime in the criminal code. The bigger crime to me is the damage he's done to the office of the presidency as an institution. The damage he has done and is doing to our foreign policy and our national security. As he pretends to be a hawk. Well, he has weakened our country. And he's embarrassing our country. And all the things he was concerned about didn't happen. They haven't happened. Summer's here, everyone, a summer where we're all sure to remember. And Chamonix is celebrating with you a sale to remember as well. You've heard me talk about this wonderful sponsor for years, but a lot of you haven't triggered yet. It's time. Right now, get the classic Genesil for bags and puffiness and the jawline treatment and Chaminet will double your supply for free. Now's the time to say goodbye to puffiness, dark spots, crow's feet, even firm up the delicate skin around the jawline and neck area. You'll get compliments or simply get 100% of your money back. So this is utterly risk-free. Order Genesil now and Chaminet will double your order for free. Double it. Call 800-SKIN-604-800-SKIN-604 or go to Genesel.com. and For results in minutes, the Genesel immediate effects is also free, plus a surprise luxury gift at checkout. Get double your order for free right now. All orders today are also upgraded to free priority shipping. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com, Genesel.com, I want to circle back, and I want to tell all you police officers out there, thank you for what has become an utterly selfless job. Utterly selfless. And what's been done in Atlanta today, in my view, is a massive miscarriage of justice. A, a, A political exploitation. Making it impossible to actually determine a proper investigation in the facts. I'll be right back.
3: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.
0: Three eight one one. Do we have that Paul Harvey audio again, Mr. Producer? We played this the other night, and you folks really, really liked it. I linked to it on my social sites. Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. I want to play it again. I want to play it again because this situation with this prosecutor in Atlanta really has completely changed everything. For the city of Atlanta, for the nation, and for police officers. And I'll be the first to say, it, we need a police officers or a law enforcement bill of rights, Mr. Producer. That's what we need. People don't want to listen to statistics. They want to keep pushing their agendas. We need a we need a, a law enforcement bill of rights. Because apparently the the actual bill of rights don't apply. Well, I'm not going to sit here quietly. I've spent my entire life fighting for the justice system, writing about it, speaking about it, as a lawyer, as an individual running a nonprofit organization, as a chief of staff to an or, uh, pr- attorney general of the United States. Very few people who have the courage to speak out right now. Very few. Because these are dire times. But we need a, uh, a law enforcement bill of rights. And I'm calling on Tim Scott to help us pull that together. Tim Scott should help us pull that together. And if he ever comes on the program, I'll ask him about his proposed bill as well as that. Uh, but he won't. He wanted to come on with his book, but he doesn't want to come on to discuss this stuff. I don't know why. But I don't really care. And so I'm calling for a law enforcement bill of rights where they get due process too. Where they can't be fired on the spot unless there are extraordinary circumstances like the the George Floyd case. A law enforcement bill of rights. Where due process is honored. Where evidence is compelled. You know what's not being discussed here at all? Criminals. Mr. Brooks was a criminal. I'm not talking about this event that took place, but Mr. Brooks had a criminal record. And as the Daily Mail pointed out, not Media Matters, not Mediaite, not the Drudge Report, but all the rest. As the Daily Mail pointed out, a British website, and newspaper. They went and looked at the public record, and if he, were, if he had been arrested for DUI, he might have to go back to prison. That's why they surmise, and I think rightly, he became physical. Well, the police officers had no idea about this. And so now one police officer is charged with a capital offense which has, as a maximum sentence, the death penalty. Can you imagine putting that officer to death, ladies and gentlemen? Or life in prison? By a prosecutor? Who has a sexual harassment claim against him. Discrimination claim against him. And is being investigated by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. For a possible misuse of a a significant amount of. nonprofit monies. I'm not saying he's guilty. I'm telling he's under investigation. To have this public skeptical of a prosecutor. Laying out his case with videos and photos. And withholding information from we the people trying to create the impression that this guy Roth really had it out for Brooks. One of the officers, he actually kicked him. And what he didn't play, which is part of the public record, but he chose not to play it, was Officer Roth giving CPR to Brooks right up to the time that the ambulance came, the emergency uh, personnel, and saying, breathe, breathe, Mr. Brooks, please breathe. Because he knew everything was at stake. He knew the political environment. It takes good and honest people with integrity now, ladies and gentlemen, to speak out. To speak out when George Floyd is killed the way he's killed. And to speak out when an elected Democrat prosecutor in Atlanta conducts himself the way he conducted himself today. Speak out for justice wherever the truth falls. Regardless of race, regardless of position. And I'm calling on the Republicans right now with your bill where you push Tim Scott out front. I want to see a law enforcement bill of rights. Or I oppose it. Because we saw what this prosecutor did today. He couldn't leave it to a court. Couldn't leave it to a jury. No. He'd rather stir people up. Particularly the media. My God. The death penalty. And I'm one of a handful of people speaking up. Where's everybody else? Where the hell is everybody? Scared to death. And then we have the never Trumpers in our own country. Bill Kristol. George Conway. Many, many others. Ann Coulter. Matt Drudge. Apparently now Matt Continetti and his free beacon. I won't be using that anymore, I don't think. John Bolton joins a, a group of very serious people. You know, Mattis. Mattis. What Mattis said was inaccurate. It was false. But he's a serious person. Again, history. Lincoln fired seven generals. I guess they were serious people too. Very serious. But you know. uh, They're all very very credible people. Okay they're credible people. So be it. And if Joe Biden's elected. You can thank. These individuals by name. And you see they have a plan. They want to create a new future Republican Party. And a new conservative movement and they've got it all figured out. And Trump stands in the way, you see. Trump is in the way. And they're certain he'll be defeated this time. And with their help, he might be. But even if he wins, we'll pound away for another four years. We'll work with our friends in the lib media who just love us. And we will will change all this. We have the real ideas. We're the smart ones. We'll, we'll create a new Republican Party and a new movement. I can see it now. It'll be fantastic. The head of the movement, Bill Kristol. whispering in his ear. My buddy Jonah Goldberg. George Conway. He'll handle all legal issues, of course. Our press secretary, Ann Coulter, wouldn't she be swell? We'll have a big internet guy, Drudge. We're all set, and there's more. We're all set. It'll be great. Actually, Bolton joins a list with Comey and Mueller and Vindman and on and on and on. That's the list he joins. As far as I'm concerned. And so we have. Joe Biden out there. These people are rooting for. And he does absolutely nothing. 36 years in the Senate. Eight years as vice president. As a horrendous record. He'll never run on his record. For busing. Against busing. Working with segregationists. Not working with segregationists. For a tough crime bill. Against a tough crime bill. That's Joe. His right side of the brain. Plays tug of war with the left side of the brain. And here he is in Pennsylvania today. What does he have to say? Cut one. Go.
3: We still don't have what we need. When it comes to rapid results testing. Contract con track contact tracing capacity widely available personnel protective equipment for them or clear nationwide guidance instead president trump pushes dangerous disp- right, that's
0: it i i can't i can't i just can't how about we hear from somebody who is a good person who's long gone, but it was a great radio host, as I promised at the top of the hour. I just can't listen to this Joe Biden. He's a fool and a buffoon. I guess that's the same thing.
3: Here's Paul Harvey. Go. Policeman. A policeman is a composite of what all men are, I guess, a mingling of saint and sinner, dust and deity, called statistics, wave the fan over stinkers, Underscore instances of dishonesty and brutality because they are news What that really means is that they are exceptional they are unusual they are not commonplace buried under the froth is the fact And the fact is that less than one half of one percent of policemen misfit that uniform and that is a better average Than you'd find among clergymen What is a policeman? He of all men is at once the most needed and the most wanted a strangely nameless creature who is sir to his face and pig or worse behind his back he must be such a diplomat that he can settle differences between individuals so that each will think he won but if a policeman is neat he's conceited if he's careless he's a bum if he's pleasant he's a flirt if he's not he's a grouch he must make instant decisions which would require months for a lawyer but If he hurries, he's careless. If he's deliberate, he's lazy. He must be first to an accident, infallible with a diagnosis. He must be able to start breathing, stop bleeding, tie splints, and above all, be sure the victim goes home without a limp, or expect to be sued. The police officer must know every gun, draw on the run, and hit where it doesn't hurt. He must be able to whip two men twice his size and half his age without damaging his uniform and without being brutal. If you hit him, he's a coward. If he hits you, he's a bully. A policeman must know everything and not tell. He must know where all of the sin is and not partake. The policeman from a single human hair must be able to describe the crime, the weapon, the criminal, and tell you where the criminal is hiding, but if he catches the criminal, he's lucky. If he doesn't, he's a dunce. If he gets promoted, he has political pull. If he doesn't, he's a dullard. The policeman must chase bum leads to a dead end, stake out ten nights to tag one witness who saw it happen but refuses to remember. He runs files and writes reports until his eyes ache to build a case against some felon who will get dealed out by a shameless shameless or an honorable who isn't honorable. The policeman must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And, of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll be right back.
2: love in
0: I didn't know Anthony Fauci was still out there. Is he still out there? masks? No masks? Open, close, protests in, protests out. Good Lord. Look, protests are fine, particularly when they're mostly peaceful. Rioting, we'd prefer that you wear masks. Oh, actually, think about it. Maybe not. All right. Distancing, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Police are more dangerous than the virus. These are the scientists that they parade on television. They're parade of morons. Then Trump, I'm going to have a rally in Tulsa, maybe 20,000 people. My God. Or Joe Biden likes to say, but oh, my God. How can he do this? There's not proper distancing, no masks, no rubber gloves, no galoshes, no raincoat. How can they do this? And they're going to be not mostly peaceful, but actually all peaceful? No. And so if it spreads, it's Trump's fault. Not the righteous rioters who are burning and looting and killing, but mostly peaceful. Not the left-wing kooks and Antifa, the militia, or the anti-Semitic BLM movement, may I say? I think I will. That is, Black Lives Matter movement. Yes, the virus only is spread by conservatives, particularly evangelical Christians and Orthodox Jews. Oh, yes, it's true. And people of white privilege. They're the ones spreading the virus. I thought it started in China. Don't say China. Don't ever say China. What's wrong with you? Oh. I thought it started in uh, Wuhan. Don't say Wuhan. It's COVID-19. 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 Okay. Now, Joe Biden is infinite idiocy. Has said nearly 150,000 Americans have died, and he blames it on Trump's lack of leadership. We still don't have enough testing. We have a lot of testing, ladies and gentlemen. You want to get tested? Get tested. That's not even an issue anymore. That's how fast Trump and the private sector, working with some of the agencies, had turned this around. But I want to tell Joe, 50,000 people died. Elderly people, frail people, in nursing homes and adult living facilities at the direction of many of them, not all obviously, of governors and mayors who were Democrats, Joe. Democrats. Democrats. And you know those Democrat cities with the looting, mostly peaceful looting, mostly peaceful burning, mostly peaceful rioting, is occurring? Yes, Democrats, Joe. Democrats. Look in the mirror, Joe. Well, he always looks in the mirror. But you know what I mean, Joe. No, it's Trump's fault. We lack leadership. Just ask uh, John Bolton. He'll tell you. No, but you got to pay John Bolton. I guess he's going to get paid for speeches, too. I'm just guessing. With his new friend, Bill Crystal. What a jackass that guy is. Man, oh, Manischewitz. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I shall return. Yeah! You know, there's a uh, gentleman out there who I respect a lot. I won't mention him because I don't want to embarrass him. Am I saying too much during the show, Mr. Producer? I don't think so. And he hasn't been in this business too long, but he feels like he's not properly recognised. And he very much wants to be recognised. And so he blames everyone and everything around him. Other talk show hosts, other conservatives, billionaires. Why don't they they take on the left? You know, ladies and gentlemen, you would never hear me talk like this. It's not a matter of blaming everyone else and everything else. Why don't you just get off your ass and do something about it, buddy? Rather than ripping everybody else and tearing them down. I, for one, wasn't planning on making radio profession or TV. I was a guest, I would provide information, people liked it, one thing led to another. I work extremely hard every day to bring you the best program I can. I don't just sit here and pontificate. We get into all kinds of things. And I, when I write a book, I spend 16 months average on a book. Every weekend, Right to 2, 3 in the morning. Every holiday. The family pays a price for this. But I believe in these things. I believed in them when I was a young man. And served in public office. I believed in them when I was a young man and worked on the Reagan campaign in 76 and 80. I believed in them when I worked in the Reagan administration for 8 years. I was joined at the hip with the tea party, with Liberty and Tyranny. I had no idea that that book would be such a hit or that it would come out at that time, but it did. That's what happens when you think, when you work, when you advocate, when you're motivated. I don't need billionaires to step in and why don't they do this? Or why don't people bring us up through the farm team? Or why don't people do this or that? We've had many shows that we've spawned off this show many excellent substitute hosts before they had their own radio shows. Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino. I can't even think of all of them, Mr. Producer. Many, and I'm proud of each and every one of them. When somebody reads a book who's in college or law school or in high school or an electrician or a plumber and it motivates them, To do a thousand different things. That's what matters. That's what's important. So I understand it's hard work. This business is hard work. Writing is is hard work. But I love it. I love it all. But when you're a relative newcomer. Don't come in and trash everything before. You sound like a leftist. You sound like a leftist. And I know your ratings aren't great. I know they're not, Mr. Producer's ratings. Because you know who he's against? Me. And I say this as, as good advice, as friendly advice. Nobody likes a whiner. They like a doer, statesman. So keep working at it. But just don't burn down everything in front of you. Then you're no better than the other side. And stop expecting other people to do things for you. Do them for yourself. And over time, you might succeed. You might not with that attitude. But it's as in any other walk of life. An athlete, a teacher, a professor, a plumber, trucker. It's not up to other people to make you. It's up to you to make you. It's called personal responsibility. Entrepreneurship creativity, content, respect for your audience. And if you don't do those things and don't have those things, maybe you're just not going to make it. Mark, I know who you're talking about. I don't think you do, most of you. But I think the person I am talking about may. But that's good advice generally. Nobody, you know, despite all this white privilege stuff, and most of us aren't born into privilege. Well, that's not true. If you're born into America, you're born in a privilege because it's a privilege to be an American. But apart from that, most people, things aren't handed to them. They work for it and they work hard and they follow the law and they love their country and they respect the police officers and they appreciate the fact that they're there. That's how most of us conduct ourselves. And what we've been watching for the last two weeks or more Is how most of us do not conduct ourselves, regardless of our race, our religion, our backgrounds, even our politics. Most of us do not conduct ourselves that way. Most of us don't have time to mostly peacefully protest during the day. And most of us have no interest in rioting at night. And no, most of you are not people of privilege. Most of you are blue collar workers. And if you don't get out there and work, you don't get paid. You don't pay your mortgage or your rent. Your family doesn't eat. You make your own opportunity. You don't expect anything from the government or anything from anybody else. Nor do you ask for it. And our police officers deserve our respect. The bad ones will be dealt with. But the good ones need to be supported. They need our respect. They need to be paid right. And they need to be protected from a mob Whether it's our universities or whether it's the street. Whether it's the media or whether it's the Democrats. Well, there you have it, Mr. Producer. All right, let's take a call here. I don't have the screen. Oh, there's the screen. Let's see who we have. Uh, I'm doing that now. Here we go. Let us go to Miriam. Miriam. Brooklyn, New York, the great W.A.B.C. Go.
4: Hi, that's Miriam. My husband is a NYPD officer. God and, bless him. Um, thank you. And he would like me to say two points, I guess. Um, the liberals do not care that the police are walking off the job now. They don't care that crime is rising in their cities. If you look at They'll
0: the care Congress, later. They'll care yeah. later when they're mugged. I promise okay. you they will. <laughs>
4: Okay, so he he says it's so important to vote out all the liberal, progressive DAs and attorney generals, especially those that are backed by George Soros.
0: The problem is, Miriam, many of these areas of the country will keep voting Democrat. And that's why they're being depopulated. People don't want to work there. They don't want to be in the police force there or the fire department there. They don't want to teach there. They don't want to start businesses there. They want to get the hell out of there.
4: Yeah, I I, I see that (laughs) It's, it's just so important that people start voting.
0: Mm-hmm. Look uh, at this so idiot, how, the cameo. You've got to say, how can they complete? Even if you're a leftist, how can you elect such an incompetent buffoon? And they did twice. I,
4: I, it's beyond me. I, 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 I don't understand it.
0: How do you go from a Giuliani to this? To this? Yeah. I'll tell you how in part because people are leaving. And yeah. then they come to like my state and screw it up. Or they come to, like, Florida, and they vote, hey, I'm voting Democrat. Excuse me, you just sk- I don't care. It's in my blood. And they vote for the same morons in another state. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a whole uh, other problem. Okay, but you're
4: doing a great job. We, we enjoy listening to you, uh, especially my 18-year-old. And uh, Well, you, hang
0: in there. For, I know it's for, tough. you
4: for, for telling us, you know, for, like, telling people what's right.
0: I love the NYPD. Whenever I come to New York, they're, they're just terrific. Terrific yes. people, yes. and God bless you, and you be well. Give my best to your husband, Toby, Creston, Iowa, on the Mark Levin app. A former police officer. How are you, sir?
5: Good. How are you, Mark? All right. Thank you. Hey, hey I just wanted to say, first off, thank you for all of your support for law enforcement. Um, I was in it for twelve years. My uncle has been in it for, for over forty. My brother's been in it for twenty-two years, and then I had a cousin in it for about four years till he got. Wow. Gone.
0: So well oh, he, he got shot?
5: He got shot up on duty. Is he all right? He's, uh, he's fine. He's out on, uh, he's probably going to go out on disability, though. So
0: Recently shot?
5: My, uh, Back in November.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. pretty recent.
5: Yeah, pretty recent. Wow. Yeah, and he's, he's struggled. He's struggled with it. I've talked to him. He still has nightmares, and, and uh, wow. he's, he's just been struggling. And, uh, Isn't that but, funny
0: he, how cops are human beings? You wouldn't know that watching he, TV, now would you?
5: No, you wouldn't. And we are. We are. Mm-hmm. I mean, most definitely. And I was just going to tell you, this is the first time after watching the, the prosecutor down in Georgia um, do what, did what he today. It was the first time I've called my brother and my uncle and seen when they can get out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just I'm I'm more fearful for them from a rogue prosecutor and ruining their entire lives by being able to judge their decision.
0: You're going to be charged with a death sentence crime. Right. I mean, is that does that not shake you to your core?
5: It does, and he should have gone to the grand jury and let 12 or how many eyes look at him. You
0: notice he went past the grand jury. He went past the uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and he pulled the trigger as fast as he caught caught on a death penalty charge.
5: And my brother was really upset about the fact he sent me a text in regards to the GBI investigation that it hadn't even been completed. And all us officers here in Iowa or Missouri, we, we wait and we wait for the prosecutor to let the, or let those organizations finish their investigations before any procedures or, or, or prosecutions. I, I,
0: I just think, and it's very difficult, you know, if you're a police officer in a big city today and you've put in a number of years and you have your benefits, you have your family, it's not so easy to leave that and become a trucker or leave that and become an electrician. Those are, those are also professions that take extra work and so forth. But people are going to really have to think about how much they want to stay in these big city police forces because um, it is dangerous. It's not just dangerous on the street. You're not going to be backed up.
5: No, no, not at all. And, and that's the point that I was, it's the first time. If the I
0: criminal ever, doesn't get you, the prosecutor is going to get you.
5: And that's what bothers me the most. And that's the first time I've ever called my relatives and say, hey, there's a chance you can get out. My brother's got six and a half years. Actually, my uncle, he's going out in October. So I'm thankful for that.
0: But, but here's the thing also. Everybody knows a bad cop from a good cop. Everybody saw what took place with George Floyd, but everybody saw what took place in Atlanta, too. Yeah. And to just dismiss this as, you know, he was running away and the cop shot him and everybody knows a taser isn't deadly. When two weeks earlier, the prosecutor specifically charged six other cops and argued that the taser is deadly. I mean, you know, you got a problem if you're a cop in that town.
5: Yeah, my brother brought that point up exactly to me. And he says, it just confuses you. It, I mean, I, I just don't know what they can do anymore.
0: And what do you think about all these people they bring on TV who've never been a cop, who've never been mugged, none of it? They don't live in, in heavily crime infested communities necessarily. And what do they do? What do you think of this? Right. Well, who cares what they think of it?
5: Yep, I agree. They, All right, they need well, to live they need to leave live in an officer's shoe for a night and realize the split decisions they've got to make. Never
0: happen. No, never happen. Know. All right, my best to your family. We'll be right back. Much lovin'. All right, let's see here. We have Bruce! Bruce? Bruce is not there. Let, oh, Bruce, no, are you there? Yeah, no, I, yeah. Okay. Boy, you just caught well,
6: it. Yeah. I, I was just uh wondering uh, or uh, wanting to say that the prosecutor in Atlanta who yeah. is uh, tainting the jury pool and, I think, overcharging, he's done one of two things. One, uh, inevitably, hopefully... He'll lose in court, but he's setting the prime, He's priming the pump uh, for the next round of rioting nationally. And on the other, do you hand, think that's
0: the way he sounded when he was uh, when he was doing what he was? doing? In other words, you're saying, and if and if the police officer is found not guilty because of the machinations of this prosecutor, he's going to create another, He's going to create more turmoil.
6: Right, right, mm-hmm.
0: right. Well, there is that possibility.
6: And yet, if he if he wins, then he becomes the, the new hero of, of the leftists.
0: Here's his problem. He's in a very tough re-election. He's under investigation by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, uh, investigating whether or not he uh, misused uh, funds from a nonprofit. Uh, he's uh, been accused of sexual harassment in one case and gender bias in another. These are all recent, within the last five or six months. Uh, and so... Uh, the guy is uh, is 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 very much uh, a politician
6: yeah, I agree with that, uh, but what better distraction perhaps than to
0: yeah, but the, you know what this is so far over the top to charge a a police officer under these circumstances uh, and in, 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 in one of the charges which has a potential sentence of death. I don't know. I think all these local police unions and other unions need to get together and figure out their uh, their strategy for protecting police officers and uh, and for being heard politically and otherwise. Because it's getting very very bad out there. I want to salute all you police officers, military, firefighters, emergency personnel, all you folks. God bless you. Thanks for standing with me, and I'm standing with you. And I'll see you tomorrow. Okay.